I just begin to have like flashbacks on my life of like different moments of good moments and also bad moments. And I essentially realized that like, if I want to change my life, I have to claim this. I have to own this. And I remember like the reason why I didn't really do too much self-development, the reason why I never really changed my life was because I felt like I was never in control. I felt like I was just like this fish that was just like amongst these waves crashing. And I was just at the whim of whatever life gave me. But when I was on that walk, I was like, holy crap, I have to take responsibility for my life. I have to literally be responsible for all the great things in my life that have happened because that's how you get power. And I also have to take responsibility for all the really bad things in my life. I'm gonna show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. What's up, Blessed Nation? Thanks for tuning in to the Blessed for Success podcast. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa. Uh, I'm so excited for today's episode. A really great, insightful conversation with one of my friends, um, who I'm, I'm going to introduce to you shortly. Um, but really pay attention to what we talk about in this episode. Um, lots of good nugget nuggets, <laughs> lots of good nuggets around mental health, um, how to take care of yourself, um, and dealing with social anxiety. So pay attention. This one's going to be great. My next guest is on Amazon Prime's TV docuseries, The Social Movement Season 2, attempting to solve some of the world's biggest problems. He is also the host of the Global Top 100 podcast called Humans 2.0, featured by Forbes, NASDAQ, and Yahoo Finance as the top 21 growing podcast you must listen to um, in 2019, and is now even still one of the top podcasts in 2020. Mark's show has been listened to over 10 million times and features the greatest leaders of our time and frequently converses with billionaires, professional athletes, Pulitzer Prize winning journalists, and New York Times bestselling authors exploring today's dynamic of the human experience in modern technological times. He routinely consults and educates Fortune 500 companies, conscious organizations, entrepreneurs, and startups on podcasting, company communication, marketing, and authentic branding. In 2013, he started the world's number one Minecraft server, and as a result, was earning six figures at the age of 15. Once upon a time, though, he couldn't make direct eye contact with anyone and suffered from social anxiety, health issues, and feeling woefully unfulfilled. It's for this reason and the fact that many others go through life feeling like this that Mark decided to write and publish a book called Screw Being Shy, currently available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle versions, which I will link in the show notes. This book is a guide on how to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. He is a man on a mission to make the world a better place by helping others through their mental health struggles, and as a friend and a fellow podcaster, he's an incredible inspiration to me. Introducing Mark Metry. Mark Metry, my friend, welcome to the Blessed for Success podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on. Dude. Honestly, man, so blessed to be here and I'm so blessed that I'm successful. So <laughs> <laughs> love that start. Well, um, you know, you're the second guest that I've had on this uh, podcast that's been on my previous podca- podcast as well, mm. fresh out of college. And I can say just 
being on video with you right now, you look leaner than ever before. Oh, you shit. look healthier <laughs> than ever before. I see oh, you in the gym. You're putting in work. So, so kudos to you, my man. Uh, getting that work in for sure. Um, it, and man. I mean, you said you're blessed, but uh, the way I like to start each episode um, is just at this point in time today, if you were to reflect and feel, um, you know, what are the things that you feel the most blessed for? Yeah, man. So, so, you know, honestly, you know, I don't, so this is funny, right? Because yesterday this kind of happened and I don't want to mention any kind of names or go into it that much, but, um, you know, I had a pretty good friend of mine who's pretty successful in the entrepreneurial space, very successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, literally like over the course of like weeks, he's become like psychologically and mentally unstable. Like yesterday he checked himself into the hospital and just like a ton of different things. And so honestly, the reason why I mentioned that is because, you know, there are so many things that I'm grateful for from time to time, whether it's like this water or like my cup of coffee that I drank earlier today. Um, But at a meta level, I'm like so grateful that I was able to get out of a toxic cycle and system relating to, you know, mental states, my mental health, my psychology, my physical health, because so many people don't get out of that. And so like, I'm just blessed that I just literally have myself. Like I'm blessed that I have my brain. It's operating normally. I'm not, I'm not perfect. It still messes up sometimes, like all the time but I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm like stable. Like I'm glad I have like some foundation that I've been building for the last several years. And so whether, I don't know, I become homeless (laughs) or uh, I, you know, something terrible happens on the outside. Mm -hmm. I know I have the inside figured out at least for now. So I'm Mm -hmm. super grateful for that. Blessed man. That, that does sound blessed um, for sure. And you know, you're doing so many crazy things now, especially since the last time we spoke, like, I thought when did we do that? That was like about a year ago. That was that was about a year ago, maybe eight to twelve months ago. And at that point, you know, yeah. you had the Humans 2.0 podcast. You had already interviewed, um, you know, billionaires like Naveen Jain, uh, Dave Asprey, who's uh, you know created the Bulletproof Coffee and and the Bulletproof Method, um, all of that. You you know interviewed big names by then. And I was like, man, this guy's doing crazy things um, in the VR world as well as well. You were working in back then. And now, dude, you're every, it just seems like since then you almost exponentially just took an uptake, um, in your progress. Like I was like, damn, that's, that's a lot for back then. But now it's just, you're coming out with a book, screw being shy. Um, you're going to be on an Amazon prime docuseries, the social movement, um, just so many amazing things. And I want to know, like, where do you feel, you know, obviously you were born and you had your life or whatnot, but where do you feel this journey started for you? Hmm. That's a good question. So I think for me, um, you know, like a lot of people, you know, you can look at someone's track record. You can look at someone's history, whether it's like entrepreneurially speaking or just like life history. And you can see, you know, maybe they got a job in 2016 and then before that they were in college. And then before that they were in high school doing whatever. Um, and so for me, I take very much of that a holistic view. And so for me, I think my journey started the second I was born, (laughs) you know, the second I, um, you know, came out of my mom 
Wow, I don't think I've ever said that on a podcast <laughs> before. But I think it was that environment. I think it was, you know, the fact that my parents uh, were immigrants when they came here to America a year before I was born from Egypt. Um, and the fact that, you know, we had to uh, live like an immigrant uh, hustle lifestyle mentality. Uh, like my parents just worked all the time. They worked different jobs. We moved around a lot. We lived in like crowded apartments. I think all those things to, you know, my time of having, you know, physical health issues of being diagnosed as a kid with uh, like some autoimmune issues to uh, really struggling with like my mental health ever since like third grade, fourth grade. And you know, honestly, nobody, <laughs> nobody really helping me, even though a lot of people tried to help me. I think that's really what, what began my journey. And the way that I try to package it up is I tell people like, you know, today uh, I'm super blessed. You know, I have this book coming out or by people, by the time people listen to this podcast, the book's already out. Um, you know, I literally travel the world, uh, whether it's to Toronto or to someplace in Europe literally just talking to people like on a stage, whether it's in front of 50 people or a thousand people about, you know, my previous mental health issues, my entrepreneurial journey, uh, you know, mental health in general, social anxiety. I literally talk about this almost every single day now, whether it's doing like podcasts or writing about it on my LinkedIn, my social media or talking with clients or whatever it is, literally all I do today is what I tried to run away from literally my entire life. So if you talk to Mark Matry when he was 18, I would literally be terrified if anybody like knew the stuff that I share now. And I literally like, it almost felt like, you know, I was sort of trying to run away from that side my entire life. Like I remember growing up in like middle school, high school, and like literally lying to people about what race I was because I endured like racism so much that I would just lie to people. I just wasn't even sort of sure of who mm -hmm. I was at a core fundamental level. And I was terrified of that. And I tried to hide that. I tried to bring that to the shadows. And, you know, through trial and tribulation, I've learned that's really not the best way to do it. It doesn't really help a lot of people. And so for me now, I feel like my journey is just bringing the darkness into light the thing that I tried to run away from is now the very thing that I'm trying to spread the most of today. And so, you know, like I started my entrepreneurial journey like 13 years ago when I was in middle school, I started my life journey when I was first born, <laughs> when I was age zero. And it's just like, you know, everything is connected. That's a really interesting question. I do think everything is connected. And I think for you to flip it on its head Wait, and on. yo, I can't hear you for some reason. Oh, really? Can you hear me now? Oh yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry, my AirPods sometimes they don't miss, but I'm I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay, sweet, all oh, good. I do I do think everything is connected, and and it's it's uh, it's crazy how you've just been able to flip it on its head. Um, you know, you came from that place of social anxiety, um, you know, mental health issues, and now that's basically your mission, right? That's part of your purpose um, to help people get out of their mental health struggles. But like for you along that whole journey you know from you being born um <laughs> what where did the switch happen where where did the change happen where you like i have to go from you know 
kind of this this negative self-deprecating state to this motivated disciplined energetic individual yeah so okay so basically uh you know to back up a little bit um growing up through school very bad student got terrible grades um like i said had a lot of social anxiety so i basically had like no friends i had no social life um had a lot of physical health issues and for whatever reason not just them didn't play any sport ever like i never exercised my entire life um when i was 15 16 uh one of the online websites ventures that i had started uh totally took off and i went from a spot where like literally I had zero dollars. <laughs> I had like 20 bucks to my name. Literally my, my family was like living off government subsidies. And then all of a sudden I'm making like hundreds of thousands of dollars in like a super short time. And so that was great and all, but long story short, what that taught me was that's not what success is. That's not what happiness looks like. And up until that time, you know, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in America, there's like this, I think in good ways for good purposes, there's like a societal narrative that's like the American dream, mm -hmm. which is like, you can come to this country mm -hmm. with nothing. You can go to school, you can put in the work, you can hustle, get better opportunities. And then you, you know, whatever, go to college, get a job, make a high paying salary, maybe join like some kind of leadership or executive position, buy a house, get married, get a dog. All your problems in life go away. You're like forever happy. And so that was my, that was my narrative. And when I reached that literally at 15, 16, uh, you know, having more money than, you know, personally, I'm someone who's not motivated by money mm. um, and having that much money to basically do whatever I wanted um, kind of messed with my head because I had reached this thing that was just like this far away location that was a motivator, but I reached it like that. And so that led me to like this really confusing journey from ages 15 until 18 when I went off to college of just like trying to recalibrate life and just being like, wait, like what is even the point of this? Mm -hmm. And I think at that time, that's probably one of the first times in my life where I think I came down with like some serious uh, bout of depression. Like growing up my entire life, I really struggled with anxiety, uh, specifically social anxiety but not too much depression. I didn't have really much energy. I wasn't energetic, but I wasn't necessarily like super depressed either. But when I was 18, I went off to college. I actually began getting depressed. And you know, the reason why that happened to Amber was because when I was, when I went off to college, I kind of had like a severe amount of brain fog, intellectually speaking, in terms of like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was sort of like on this path of like, you know, going to school for computer science and like going on with like this whole college thing mm. and just kind of like doing the things that people were always telling me to do society's basics. And then I had like this other voice, this other path in my head, which was not crystallized at that time, which was basically saying like, you know, Mark, you did all like all like these entrepreneurial things when you were younger, you made like a ton of money when you were 15, 16 years old you have way more potential to you, but you just haven't learned how to unlock it yet. Mm. So I had like these two voices, like at a subconscious deep level when I was in college. And I think a lot of us have that. 
And so I think I began to develop this thing called cognitive dissonance. And this is essentially when your brain has two competing ideas that are constantly battling together at a subconscious level that you don't even know. This is like the example of like this, especially this happens in like politics a lot where like you'll have like some debate or you'll have some argument with someone and you're like hitting them with the facts and the evidence, one, two, three. And instead of like responding back to you with a evidence-based approach, they just get emotional and they get angry and they lash out. That's cognitive dissonance right there because they know what they're saying is wrong, but they're still saying it. That's just one example. Mm. And so I kind of had cognitive dissonance about my own life. And when you're going through that, it's much, much, much easier to instead of actually come to terms with this and make a decision and, and take responsibility for your life and say, I'm either going to follow this path or I'm going to follow this path. A lot of people choose that third voice, which isn't really a voice, which is uh, trying to escape, trying to escape the situation that you're in. And so a lot of people do this through a variety of different things, right? It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be like you hustle all the time during the weekday just to get to the weekend to, you know, get smashed with your friends and shut off your brain for four hours. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. everyone's got their thing, whether it's like you come home and you shut off your brain with Netflix or for food or any of those vices that you can abuse to avoid this. And so for me, that's what I did. And for me, my vices were food. I went from someone who was never really like obese before, never really seriously overweight to like literally gaining 75 pounds in like less than a year, being like over 220 pounds. My vice was like energy drinks, uh, Netflix. Eventually I began to like get into partying, alcohol, drugs, things of that nature. And so doing that just kind of like put me down like this swirling tornado of just like trying to constantly shut my brain off. And, you know, it got to that point where all these things that I had tried to work to deal with the pain weren't working anymore. And it got to that point where I couldn't even fall asleep at night anymore. And that's how you know, uh, like a real breaking point of someone, right? Like someone might have a coping mechanism or two to help them fall asleep at night to shut off their brain. But when those stop working, you're like, shit, what do I do? And so for me, when that began to happen and I was just such in a dark place, I began to go for walks and I live in Boston on the East coast of Boston, Boston. It's like two (laughs) hours away from Toronto. And, um, and, um, and so I began like walking and the area that I lived in was pretty nice, but it was also like on the bordering uh, city of another city called Dorchester, which is really not that nice. (laughs) Like I remember like when I was in college, like we would get text notifications of like any emergencies on our phone. Mm -hmm. And literally like every other night, it would be like, yo, there's a shooting the street across from you. Don't go outside. (laughs) And so basically my solution in my brain at that time, and I didn't tell anybody about this while it was happening was I'm basically going to go outside at like 2am or like midnight because I can't go to sleep. And I'm just going to walk around in the most dangerous city most dangerous area of my city. And I would basically fantasize about someone trying to kill me because at that time, you know, I was in so much pain that I didn't know what I was doing. And like a lot of people that, you know, struggle with things like whether it's drug addiction or suicide or self-harm, 
you know, a lot of people looking from the outside view that as like stupid. Like, what, why are you doing that? Why don't you just go get help? And it's like, that person is just doing what they can to comfort themselves through the pain based on the information that they know. Mm -hmm. And it's not like what they're doing is stupid or smart or whatever. It's just based on the information that they know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, people are really using drugs or even uh, being in a suicidal state is almost like medication for trying to get their life around. Yeah. And, you know, what basically happened, man, was, um, so I was like doing this for two weeks. I was walking every night, literally just hoping someone comes along and, and kills me. And I literally just imagine this every single night. And I, like after the, after the night was gone, I'd literally come back at the end of the morning and knock out and like skip half my class, like just a terrible schedule. And so I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't doing anything. And so it got to this point where the last night, one of the nights where I was walking, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't using my phone. I wasn't listening to music. There were no cars in the street. There was nobody in the street. And I felt like almost like this eerie sense of silence, like this kind of silence that I've like this kind of silence and stillness that I've never really experienced ever before in my life. It's kind of hard to describe through language. And what happened, man, was like, I don't know if it was because I had reached a point of desperation or I had reached a point of rock bottom where my brain was just like going into areas that I had never thought of before. But I kind of felt like I heard a voice on like the inside of me. And, you know, up until that point, I never heard any kind of voice. I never um, heard my stream of consciousness. I never heard my thoughts. And I don't even know what, what that thought said, but essentially it gave me like this, this feeling that I wasn't alone when I heard sort of like my real intuition, I guess, um, it honestly gave me like this sense of warmth. It gave me the sense of like someone was watching over me. And when I, when I experienced that, like I just had like an extreme emotional reaction and it, it you know, it's not like, um, all of a sudden, like I got hit with like a thunderbolt from the sky and like the sky opened, like nothing crazy like that <laughs> happened but I just felt like a deep sense of emotions that basically made me feel like there was something bigger than this. There was something bigger, like on the other side, there was something bigger than like the, the black and white vision that portrayed reality that I saw every single day growing up. And when I experienced that, I just like started crying and I just like ran home as fast as I could. And I remember running back to my college dorm room, and it was just like 2 a.m. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror. And when I looked at myself in the mirror, I kind of realized that I was overweight for the first time. And like that may seem funny to people, but like when this was happening, I had no idea this was happening. Like there's that quote that says, um, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. And so a lot of the times in life, like if we hit rock bottom, you don't actually know you're in rock bottom. So it's like all these words we talk about today, like what a real sense of success is, mindset, self-development, psychology, mental health. I had literally never heard any of these my entire life. And so I didn't even know what this was. And so for sort of like my first point of reference, my first point of consciousness was literally just seeing my physical appearance in the mirror and being like, wait, I... I wasn't always like this, like what sort of began to happen. 
And from that point on, and again, like I didn't, I didn't change my life like overnight. It wasn't like from that point on, I like woke up the next morning at like 5 a.m. and I like had a morning routine. And I was like, yo, I'm going to meditate for six hours or any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I was just like, I'm going to try to lose weight. And so it literally took me until summertime. And during the summer, I like, I felt so weird. I was like in the middle of like, I realized all these crazy things about my life. And so I like metaphorically refer to this as I like went into the cave. I went into the cave of like myself. So literally this summer I was living with my parents and I almost, of course, like I had friends and stuff. Sometimes I would hang out with them, but I literally just stopped talking to everyone. And I just went inside myself. I went on like this crazy journey of just like trying to learn, trying to understand like you know, first it was like through, through health. That's how I discovered Bulletproof. And that's how I discovered the Bulletproof diet. I got on, you know, I began to understand things about like nutrition and exercise and sleep and just like the science of a lot of things that I never understood before. And then I began to lose the weight. And then my parents and I, we took a trip to Egypt. And when I went to Egypt for like two, three weeks, I basically realized like the insane opportunity that I was given from my parents. You know, I went to Egypt and just like, you know, every country has its great things, it's ha- it has its bad things. But when I went to Egypt and like I saw people like in the street, I saw like the high unemployment rate. I was just like, dang, like my parents took this crazy chance leaving their country, leaving their family, leaving their jobs, leaving their money, literally leaving everything behind to give, you know, our family and myself uh, a better shot at this life. And so it was like a combination of like a lot of these elements. And like, finally, by the time of maybe like October, uh, after that summer, like September, October, I continued moving down this route. I began to read more books. I began to, you know, pick up different habits like meditation, uh, journaling, writing things down, learning from smarter people. And then I remember by November 6th of 2016, um, I took a nap. Okay. And I remember I had come back from class. I took a nap and I remember like waking up from that nap. And you know, if you ever take naps, it's like the moment you wake up, it's like, um, you, you're kind of like in like this half awake, half dream state. Like you're not totally awake, Mm. but you're also like, uh, kind of like your thoughts are loopy. Right. And so, I remember I was in that state and I remember I had like this overwhelming feeling of like, I began to know what the problem is. I began to go on this path somewhat of like trying to pick up the right habits, trying to stay healthy, but I wasn't fully committed yet. And I was kind of like doing this half pregnant as like Gary V says, like he says a lot of people, they don't go all in on something. They're trying to do something 50%. And so I felt like I was going 50% on like my own life. And so for whatever reason, with that feeling of just like crap, like if I don't do this right now, literally this is never going to change. And I'm going to be one of those people that's like 40 years old and just like making excuses, being super resentful towards life. Being like, oh yeah, the reason why I didn't do that was because of this, this and that. And I knew knowing myself if I didn't do it right now, that is the person that I, that I was. And so I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Mm. And so I was just like, hey, I'm going to put on my shoes and I'm going to walk to Target. And so as I'm on my way to Target, 
like the the store it's like walmart i don't know if you guys have it yeah yeah we okay. we've ha- we had we tried target it didn't work out they ended up leaving <laughs> oh man that's crazy yeah um and so basically as i'm on my way to target right and i'm like still in like this half dream half awake state i don't really know what i'm doing with my life here at this point i'm just like trying to trying to like do new things i'm trying to change and when you're in a state of trying to do things different things are really uncomfortable things are not um you know you're not used to it and so as I'm on my way to Target, it's like, it was like a 20 minute walk and I'm in like a super emotional state for whatever reason, I just begin to have like flashbacks on my life of like different moments of good moments and also bad moments. And I essentially realized that like, if I want to change my life, I have to claim this, I have to own this. And I remember like the reason why I didn't really do too much self-development. The reason why I never really changed my life was because I felt like I was never in control. I felt like I was just like this fish that was just like amongst these waves crashing. And I was just at the whim of whatever life gave me. But when I was on that walk, I was like, holy crap, I have to take responsibility for my life. I have to literally be responsible for all the great things in my life that have happened because that's how you get power. And I also have to take responsibility for all the really bad things in my life that have happened. And a lot of people, when they, when they think about this, a lot of people, they don't agree with this because they confuse responsibility with something being your fault. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not your fault. Your parents got divorced when you were nine. It's not your fault. You were molested when you were 12. It's not your fault that this terrible thing happened to you but it is your responsibility for how you deal with yourself now because of those things that happen, regardless of how you think about them. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized that it was extremely powerful because if you just look at the word responsible, if you break that word down, what it actually is, is responsible response, able, you are able to respond to your life and not just get caught up in the waves of reactions. I love that. So, Holy, wow. Yeah, I know, dude. So, so when I was on this walk, I literally felt like I was having like some, some like mystical experience of just like, like these events just like hitting my brain. And I, again, I start crying when I'm on my way to this walk. And I realized like I literally have to grab this thing by the hands and control this and take responsibility for it. And so I walk into Target again, I don't really know what I'm doing at this point. Like there's no, there's no clear path. It's not like, Oh, I got to do one, two, three. I had no idea. I walk into like the, like the school supply section. And this was like the week where like colleges were just getting back. And so they were like almost empty. I go to the section. I see a whiteboard. I pick up the whiteboard and I'm like, Hmm, maybe this is good for me to like write down my goals, write down like anything to motivate myself, to put myself back uh, in my college dorm room. And then I go to the journal areas where there's like diaries and journals. And I'm not even joking, literally all the journals, every single one of them, completely gone. There were no more journals left except for one. um, Damn, I'm trying to see if it was like right there, but there was literally one journal left. And on it said, there was a question mark icon and it said ideas become things. And so I buy that journal, the only journal, I buy that whiteboard. I walk back to my dorm room and I just like start writing down like random things. I start writing down like different quotes that I like. Like I wrote this Steve Jobs quote of like, you know, life is too short to be working for for someone else. Like don't waste your life uh, trying to be someone else. Things along those lines. I wrote down goals that I had, 
like six months goals, one year goals, two year, three year goals, um, just a ton of different things. And I began to like write down my thoughts every day. And that I, it happened November 6th, 2016 or November 8th, either one of those, I need to think back. But it was that day that basically set everything on fire. And like up to that point, like a few months after that, I started a business. Um, eight months after that, I started my podcast. And it's just like been going and going and going, man. So, and here I am. <laughs> that, that is quite a switch, man. Dude, I'm, I'm like sitting here mind blown. I just, hell yeah, that's an insane journey and, and a lot to go through. And I think for anybody listening, there's so much to be taken from, from all those nuggets that you shared there. But I, what I want to take a quick revisit to is Mm. that moment where you went on that walk and, you know, every day you were going on that walk, you were, you were hoping that someone would come and, you know, take your life. But then one day you experienced, you know, a silence that you had never experienced before. And this voice came to you. And to me, that's, that's interesting. Because, yeah. and I, I forget, I was reading a post just yesterday and you were saying it too. You were never able to hear voices inside your head before. Like I thought yeah. everybody could hear their voice inside their head. Just like if I wanted to say something to myself in my head, I can. But re- I'm actually just finding out as of yesterday that, and it's funny that you mentioned it now again, that a lot of people can't. They just see words, but they can't put it together. They actually have to talk it out loud. They have to say the words out loud in order for those mm-hmm. thoughts to manifest. So um you know, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Mm -hmm. the observation that I'm making just from, from what you're saying is that you walking in that silence, in that dead, deadly silence, where it's just, there's, there's nothing else to hear. And that voice came to you that in and of itself sounds like a form of meditation in that moment. Damn, man. So dude, this is so crazy, right? I, so, uh, so a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Warren, he has this quote and he's uh, he wrote the book um, 10% happier with Dan Harris. If you ever heard of it mm-hmm. and he wrote, he has this quote and it says um, meditation brings you to the realization that we don't just have one voice in our head. And really, man, what it is, is like rock bottom meditation having some crazy like life experience, like, you know, for some people it's like watching your parents die in a car accident, like some terrible thing happening. All those essentially do the same thing. Uh, meditation, it's, it doesn't happen like right away. It comes after like years of building that muscle. But essentially what happens, man, is like you cut through the clutter. You are able to see your life for like really what it is, because this is, this is honestly, man, this is the biggest thing that I realized. So, you know, if you look at neuroscience, nobody really has an exact number, but people say, researchers say that the human mind creates anywhere from 30 to 75,000 thoughts a day, depending on your level of conscious awareness, some of those thoughts you might be able to see, think about a lot. Most of those thoughts for basically everyone, you're not even conscious of them at all. Mm. But those are the thoughts that are basically like running your character script. And so it's like, imagine like I come from a, I come from a computer science background. Okay. 
if I was like creating a video game and there's like different characters in this video game, they've all got a script to run. Right. They don't even know what that script is. It's this back end, the sort of matrix code of what they do. And so for me, and I actually, I didn't even figure this out when I was at rock bottom. I figured this out through years of meditation every single day. But essentially the reason why I was in so much pain, the reason why I even was at that point of suicide was because I had so many thoughts in my brain. I had so many thoughts that weren't even mine that were there from the times where I got bullied, the times where, you know, people called me, you know, a sand nigger, those times where teachers told me I was stupid or retarded and I wouldn't be anything. My brain had picked up those voices and now internalized them as my own and is repeating them. And I'm unconscious of those. And so I think it's coming from myself. Mm -hmm. And so when you reach a point of rock bottom, some terrible thing happening that brings you to the present moment. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is these thoughts, they're running this script. And these thoughts are like, um, these thoughts are like, you know, hey, uh, you know, let, like, for example, social anxiety, you know, hey, Mark, don't raise your hand when the teacher asks that question. Because remember, three years ago, when you uh, raised your hand, and you said something that was stupid, and the entire class made fun of you, and you got shot on by your teacher, that means you shouldn't do it. And so what your, what your brain is doing is it is going back to the past. It is going back to a past memory. And your past is really just the thought that is happening in the present moment. Same thing with the reverse of anxiety of, oh, I shouldn't say this or, oh, what if I do this? What if I do that? Your brain is trying to think and trying to anticipate what is going to come based on what has already happened that you are thinking in the present moment. Hey there, just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. If you are enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes for a quick minute, leave a five-star review, and tell us what you like about the show. We want this Bless for Success message to catch fire, and the only way that is possible is with your help and support. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. As humans, like we're running on this script, which is all these 60,000 thoughts that are always bringing us from what happened in the past or to the future. Okay. And so, what that means is you're never actually living your life right now. And if you're not living your life right now, you can't make the decisions that you really want to. But when something really hits you across the face, something usually bad, you are shocked into the present moment. You are shocked into, oh crap, I got to pay attention to this now. That's what happens at a rock bottom moment or some sort of an emergency. Or that also happens through months and years of meditation, of you figuring that out. And I remember when I began to meditate, which happened literally like what I, the story that I told you of me taking that nap, I began to meditate a week or two weeks before that event. So mm -hmm. this very much led me to do it. And when I began to meditate, I essentially realized that like, not only were these voices, not even mine, but I realized that my brain had built up this defense mechanism 
my ego had built up these series of masks and armor, suits of armor to protect myself from the outside world, like layers on an onion. And so what I realized is like, the reason why I had really severe social anxiety was because when I was way younger, I had a traumatic experience where I was basically like socially ostracized or isolated from a group. And that taught my brain. It basically said like, wow, people suck. So as a conclusion, let's not talk to people at all. (laughs) And so it was almost like a defense mechanism, a mask that I put on the same way that, you know, let's say someone who doesn't struggle with social anxiety, but they have that same sense of insecurity. They're like, Hey, the mask that I'm going to put on is being the, the class clown, or it's going to be the jock, or it's going to be the kid who gets all A's in school. We all have our own version of like putting up this false suit of armor around ourselves to almost not show the real world who we are. And so when I began to meditate, I literally began to see these layers in like in my psychology literally disappear and vanish in front of my eyes. And at first it's terrifying, right? Because again, anything different, anything that has always been there in your life, but now is changing, it's going to terrify you a little bit. And so like, I went on like this two week period of like, literally it felt like I was like waking up from a movie. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was literally just like, holy crap, this is my life now. And it's almost as if like, I began to see things from just like a completely different perspective. Like I felt like a completely different person. And so, um, and, and here's the other thing. Um, so back to suicide and this is important. Um, what I realized is, and you know, whenever I say this and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hesitant to say this because I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Mm. Um, I think that, and uh, take this with with two cents, Um, I think that a lot of people who experience feelings of suicide, uh, I think that's actually a good thing. In the sense of, when I, looking back at it now, the reason why I felt like that, other than the fact of like the biochemistry of it, of like, my brain was inflamed and suicide can be a side effect of that. Other than that, the reason why my brain was telling me to end it, end it, cut it off was because my brain was trying to figure out how to become a new person. You cannot become a new person unless you consciously decide to end sort of the version Mm 1.0 of yourself and move on to version 2.0. And so That feeling of suicide, if anything, it's good. I view it as the universe or God or whatever you believe in. That's its way to course correct you to say like, hey, deep down, you're an amazing person that's filled with self-love, but you're not there yet because you've picked up a ton of other unconscious crap from the outside world and you're not even yourself anymore. You need to kill this person to actually become yourself. And so looking back, when I realized that, I was like, wow, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And it's almost like motivation for someone that is at that level of, of rock bottom. And so, yeah, man, I think meditation and all this stuff is insanely valuable. And and also at this time, when I began to meditate, this is also where I began to realize that I had social anxiety and I began to sort of like plot my course of how to eliminate and how to not be a shy person anymore. Yeah. I think 
I, dude, I'm just. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm. Just, I'm. Ugh. The, the some of the things you're saying, and just like, you know, and I think what a lot of people have been through while listening, and what I've been through. And recently, just because of meditation and because of reflection and stuff is like, I'm trying to put the picture together, right? Because yeah, there are a lot of experiences that I've had throughout my life. And I think it's a coping mechanism is you lock it away. Like, it's like, that's gone. That doesn't exist anymore. It never happened. You know, so, so on and so forth. And just recently after you know more more of a meditation reflection journey am i realizing just how much of an impact a lot of those things had on me i never thought that it would change really i thought i had you know dealt with my demons and that they wouldn't come back to resurface right um but i think they always do especially if you haven't gotten to a place of acceptance like i never got to a place of acceptance with bullies with um you know, just shameful moments uh, throughout life and having having to now deal with those and, and how they've actually impacted life and um, accept them for what they are and then use that as part of my story just like within me to be like, okay, this is who you are, this is where you came from and this is where you can go is insane. And I think, you know, for anyone listening, again, I don't want anyone to take what you said in a poor way, the fact that you know, the, the thoughts of, uh, you know, suicide can actually be a good thing because, you know, in a way I do think that night you killed yourself, like you killed that, that you were, you were, and you were asking for it, you know, you were asking every night for someone to come basically to, to take your life, to kill you. And that voice inside your head killed you, right. That, that killed the 1.0 version of Mark Metry, which is why we have a human's 2.0 2.0 podcast which is why we got the 2.0 version of mark metry right like it's it's so crazy and i think for me and for everyone it's just you got to accept what has gone wrong but you also have to accept what you can do to make it right for sure man and i love everything you said and i um uh two things that come to mind so in my book there's two subsections about what you just talked about One of them is called truth is the chiropractor of the mind. And number two is shame is a ticking time bomb. And essentially what it refers to is like the reason why when I was growing up, I had no motivation to do anything. I wasn't myself. I didn't have energy was because I was disassociated from my life in the sense of a lot of people who have experienced uh, things in the realms of anxiety and depression and just tough things in life. You know, a lot of people don't talk about this, but a lot of that leads to like loss of memory for the exact reason that you said something happens in life. And then you're like, well, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, you throw it, it the to the back you yeah. lock it in the black box you shove it down and then what happens is usually five ten years from now when you're doing something that you think is totally unrelated those same demons come up and grab you and totally dictate your behavior 
I think everyone's deal with this. I, I deal with this all the time just because I have a book out doesn't mean I still don't deal with it. But um, essentially, man, what I realized is like, you know, this ties back to when we're, when we're kids. And it's essentially, it's like, you know, this has to do with small everyday situations and also really serious things like trauma. But essentially what happens is, you know, to give you an example, you know, let's say you're seven years old and you have a rule in your house that's like, you know, no, no cookies until you eat your dinner, right? And so you're a little kid, right? You're on a cookie. And so you go to your kitchen, you know, you know, your mom has like the cookie jar on top of the fridge. You like climb up, you grab a cookie, you grab, no, you grab two cookies, you eat them both in like five seconds. You hear your mom coming downstairs and your mom sees you and moms are like super hyper intelligent. And so like, she knows that you ate a cookie Yeah. Um, and she's like, Hey, you know, Mark, did you eat a cookie? And you're, you know, you love your mom. You don't want her to feel or think any less of you. And so you lie and you yeah. say, no, I didn't eat a cookie. And so a white lie like that, like as, as innocent as that seems, that can really, really impact you. Because what I discovered on my journey, man, is that every time you lie, whether it's to other people or to yourself, essentially what you're doing is you're taking a fake version that you've just created, that you've just conjured in your brain with your neocortex that enables you to imagine things that haven't happened yet. And you are putting that to the front of your life. That is how you are presenting yourself in the world. What happens is every time you do that, the real you, the, the true you that you were born with is shoved into the back of your life. You do this time and time and time and time and time again. Next thing you know, you don't even know yourself. Next thing you know, you are disassociated from your life and you're not even motivated to do anything because you're not actually living your life. And so like the same way that like the skeletal system in the human body is the thing that structures everything and like make sure that like your arms are over here and you're standing straight and your neck is like this. That is what truth does in our, in our minds, in our, in our souls, in our mental health, in our spirituality. If you're not living on the truth, you are creating a dysfunctional fake version of yourself. You do this after a decade and you don't even know who you are. Hmm. And so, you know, for me, like what I always tell people is like, whether it's through meditation, whether it's you sitting in a room alone for like an hour with a piece of paper and pencil without your phone, without any distractions. And if you literally write down like a couple of different questions, like what am I, what am I lying to myself about? Um, what am I pretending not to know about myself? What are like a few deep truth that I've just never really consciously thought of. If you sit down and you do that, you know, in the first five minutes, the logical side of your brain will give you like some stupid answer in like five minutes. It'll be like, Oh yeah, you lied about that thing yesterday. That doesn't really matter. But if you sit down for like an hour, you're going to drill deep down into your brain and you're going to really uncover and resurface a lot of memories from the past. And you know, to talk about your point when it comes to shame, you know, honestly, man, like looking back, I did so many things that I viewed as, as shameful, whether they were things that, 
were not considered uh, right by my society, culture, religion, community. I did so many things. Some of them were right. Some of them were not right. And they were wrong things that I did that I became shameful of because I just tried to shove them down in the back. Like I'll give you an example, man. Like when I was growing up, like I used to shoplift all the time. I used to steal and I used to do a ton of things. Like there were, there are so many stories. I talk about this in the book where like, I almost got arrested. I ran away from the cops, different, different things that got cut up. And I, and I never talked about that mm. with other people. I never even talked about it with myself. And so what I really saw myself doing is like, there gets to a point where you have so much shame that that shame then goes from like, maybe you're shameful about the fact that you did something or this specific event or this thing that happened. And that shame begins to seep into your very identity. That shame begins to seep into your very character and how you even think about yourself. When you do that, it's terrible because when you become shameful, you have no self-worth. You view yourself as a product of having nothing. Not being, not shameless, having uh, shame, having a deep sense of shame then leads you to a sense of feeling hopeless, having hopelessness. I define hopelessness as thinking that tomorrow will not be any better than it is today. This is the idea, this is the belief that gets people to kill themselves, that gets people to do violent things in our society because, you know, hey, why shouldn't I go into a mall and, and bring my gun and shoot up 20 people when I don't care about tomorrow or walk into some embassy or walk into a building and blow myself up? And so I think that a lot of these elements are connected and, and related but I think that if you know the truth about yourself, you can slowly begin to uncover a lot of shame that you've had around yourself. And as I'm noticing, you know, now on my journeys, like whenever I do a self-care habit, like meditation or eating healthy or going to the gym or sleeping for seven, eight hours or spending time with great people, choosing not to do things, removing my vices that are negative, Every time I do that, essentially what it is, is like, I'm taking a shovel and I am hitting the ground and removing a ton of just like this bullshit that I've been building on top of my life for the first unconscious 18 years. Mm -hmm. Things that I'm shameful about, things that I'm not proud of, things that, I'm, that I lie to people about. And it's like, every time I do that, you just take a shovel. And then sometimes something big enough in your life happens where it's not just a shovel, but like you take a freaking bulldozer and you just go deep down underneath it. I think, I think this is where things like rock bottom come into play, mm -hmm. uh, depending on who you talk to. I'm no expert. I have no experience in this. Things like psychedelic therapy. Mm -hmm. A lot of these tools can provide as almost just like massive resets for you to um, just really find out your true self. Because you do get to that point where it's not necessarily like the demons go away, but it's like you become friends with them. And you're like, oh, that's just my buddy, you know, right there. And like, I, I love myself and I know that I have so much value that it doesn't matter what they try to tell me because I know two hours from now or tomorrow, everything's going to be okay. Dude, you, know? you saying that, you just that last part right there reminds me of 8 Mile. Because in that last scene <laughs> where he's like, 
where where Eminem is, you know, taught like pointing out all his flaws. Like he's dissing himself so that the other guy can't battle rap him back about his flaws. It's like just what you said. Like if we can take our demons, accept them, and be friends with them, then that just makes not I don't say easier, but it makes the story of our life more like wholesome you know what For i mean sure, it just... and i think sorry i don't mean to interrupt but i think the reason why is because it's like when you're constantly trying to hide things you don't actually look at them head on right mm-hmm. and what happens is you know sometimes like i interviewed this guy aubrey marcus yes. ceo of on it and, and he had this he has this great quote and it's like basically like a lot of these deep deep dark psychological fears that we have these monsters that are living under our bed, if you can take a flashlight of a little bit of courage and truth and you go down in your bed and you shine the light on them, all of a sudden you realize that they're not monsters. They're just like these glitchy dust bunnies. And like, if you have a proper understanding of like the human condition, the human psychology, anxiety, anxiety is essentially a product of today's modern world that is like this glitchy, weird, super complicated nervous system, trillions of neurons firing together and some of them mess up. Mm-hmm. So I think when you approach it from, from that sort of way and then also from a higher macro spiritual perspective of like, um, of like using uh, this feeling of negativity or even guilt, as a positive indicator, I think that's super important. I think a lot of people, when they get down on themselves or they feel like they're procrastinating or they're super stressed out because they're not doing something or they're not doing something enough, a lot of people view that negatively. I sometimes do too, but I've learned to reverse that signal in my brain and see it as a positive thing. So it's like whenever I get this feeling of like, um, of guilt, of like, you know, wow, I told myself I was going to do this thing, but I didn't, right? I view that as a positive thing because that's essentially the universe, God, whatever you believe in way of course correcting you, of saying like, hey, you're a good person. You feel bad about these things because if you didn't, then you would have no moral compass. You would not know what is right, what is wrong to be able to follow that compass and make the right decisions in life. And so it can seem hard when you're going through it in the moment. Everyone has these moments, you know, be totally frank. I had one of these moments like yesterday where all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't do anything. Everything that I was doing wasn't going to work. There was, you know, not enough time, too many different things to do. But then like two, three hours later, I like snap out of it. And it almost feels like, like when you think about that in the past, like of where your mindset was, like even a few hours ago, you're like, what kind of, like, you almost feel like a different person. It's almost like, like some storm came, like this weather came, but now it's gone. And I think that's just the way that um, you've got to look at life. And it's like, hey, dude, guess what? Like, you know, what I told you at the beginning of this conversation, like, there are people right now who are having psychological breakdowns that don't even know themselves that are that don't even know their families. There are people right now there's little kids, there's little kids that are being locked in cages for human trafficking. Uh, there are women and, and children and men who have to walk 13 miles to get a sip of water that has diseases in it. I mean, like, just take your pick. And I think, you know, Mark Manson, this guy I interviewed, he's the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, 
he says that real success, real happiness is being able to choose your problems. It's being able to um, choose the problems that you want. And I think that that's what life's all about. So I'd much rather have the problems that I do now that are part of the human condition than, you know, maybe a position that I was in before, but I'm not in anymore. So, um, yeah. so yeah, man. it's 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 two voices man for for me or you know there's a lot of internal voices that go on um in everyone's head but i think two voices that stand out right one voice that tells you you can do it you got this you can achieve all your goals you're going to achieve all your dreams and the other voice is telling you you're not good enough um you know uh you don't have any experience you're not this you're not that who are you to tell people this that this or that but i think what i've realized is that on one side, when I'm reading books, when I'm listening to podcasts, when I'm meditating, when I'm doing things that are good for my overall mental health and well-being, the positive voice comes into play. And then, you know, when I'm overly snacking on sugar, when I'm playing too much video games, when I'm binging on Netflix, then the negative voice comes around and you have control of which voice speaks to you. You have, I feel like anyone has the control to, to to control what voice is, is inside their head constantly telling them to move forward. For real. And, um, and you know, like, you know, for me, like there's a lot of things that I talk about in my book, whether it's from like a, um, yeah. Tell us more about your book. Sorry, please. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Us. I mean, it's, it's in line with this, but it's just like, um, so if, like for me, like my book, like the first three chapters are very much like things for you to conceptually understand. Um, at the end of all my chapters, at the end of every single chapter in the book, there are exercises that someone can do and take action on uh, because the book is not meant for you to like read this like a novel. It's meant for you to get something out of your own life. And so the first three chapters, they're about like the root problem, truth, like a lot of these things that we just talked about, they're like really deep, like death, suicide, things like that, and how they're actually like things for you to understand to keep you moving. And then the rest of that book, is all practical stuff. And then like a key chapter is about your biochemistry because I, you know, I'm in the self-development world a lot. I'm in the, whatever you call it, self-improvement, success, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. world a lot. And when a lot of people start talking about this stuff, they often never talk about like the biochemical side. Right. Like a lot of people say like, you know, like people say, Oh dude, no excuses. Like you just got to do it. I feel like, you know, obviously you shouldn't have excuses, but I feel like to some degree that's kind of BS Mm -hmm. because a lot of people have anxiety, have depression, have trauma, and you telling someone to just do it and have no excuses, that doesn't really help help anyone. Yeah. It's a completely oversimplified BS solution that like a ton of like these motivational speakers whose hearts are in the right spot are saying, but that's because they've already gotten out of it. And so for me, other than like conceptual things that we just went through, probably the most important things for me in terms of my mental health, not even physical health, was biochemistry. Like, what am I eating? What am I putting into my body? Uh, how am I moving my body? How am I sleeping? And like, you know, I, again, like I think suicide, uh, what we talked about before, I think it can definitely come from a place from you trying to change things around. But I also think a major part of suicide is just simply biochemistry. Like they've done studies that show like under a scan of your brain, if your brain is inflamed in certain areas, you have a potential to have a side effect 
of feeling suicidal or even being addicted to a drug of wanting to having to access to something. And so I think that biochemistry is like literally one of the most important things. And like, I break it all down in my book, but like, there's a section in my book where it's like, if you recall back to like, before I was suicidal, what happened? I gained 75 pounds. I was obese. And what happened was my stomach, like my gut, my gut microbiome, which my book goes into broke. And then what happened is my brain broke too. And, you know, to keep this short, um, you know, the, the gut microbiome is essentially this super vast ecosystem in every single one of our bodies that runs through the digestive system to really a ton of other areas in your body. Uh, this is an ecosystem of trillions of bacteria, um, molds, funguses, even viruses that basically run and do all of your functions. When I interviewed Dave Asprey, founder of Bulletproof, mm-hmm. you know, he tells me, he tells me that like, a lot of us think of like, we have a consciousness. We have a consciousness of like our thoughts and our beliefs and all these great things. But we also have an ancient bacterial consciousness that has been alive ever since the second we are alive. This is like what a baby knows what to do ever since it's, it's, it like comes out. It knows that it needs to cry to get food. It, need, it knows that it needs to you know, move its mouth in a particular way to eat food. Right. A lot of people are saying the microbiome is actually doing that. And so we have this bacterial conscious that has evolved to do three things. They all begin with F. <laughs> Number one is, is feed, food, right? And so a lot of times what happens is the first thing when you're depressed or you might be anxious, your first reaction might be to eat a ton of food or to not eat any food at all. The second one is fear, which is, you know, your bacteria have evolved to either run away from a predator or to fight it because if they don't, then you're going to die and all those other bacteria in your gut microbiome are going to die. Number three is the other effort, (laughs) (laughs) you know, some kind of sexual intercourse behavior. Um, This is also what happens when you're afraid, like whether it's, you know, you watch porn or you masturbate impulsively, or you try to have sex with whatever, because that's the feeling that you have. And so even the craziest part about this is like a lot of times with mental health, people talk about this uh, neurotransmitter called serotonin, Mm -hmm. right? And like a lot of the uh, antidepressant drugs, they all run on this module of serotonin, most of them. Turns out that most of our serotonin isn't even in our brain. Up to 90 90 to 95%, depending on which scientific study you look at, is in our gut microbiome. Which is heavily dependent on mood, energy level, a lot of different functions, a lot, not just like happiness or unhappiness. And so that's exactly what I realized. So it's like when when I got obese, when I began to do unhealthy things, it was literally maybe a matter of three to six months where I became suicidal. Never up to that point I was suicidal in my entire life. I think it was a lot of different combinations of things, but I view you know, biochemistry, a lot of things that like we talked about, um, whether it's the mind body feedback loop of you, like, um, you know, sitting down and watching Netflix for four hours. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, you haven't even moved, you're just like eating Doritos. And now like your mind 
is looking at your body and your body is lazy, it has no energy, and your body sends a message to your mind of the same thing. Um, a more clearer example is like if you eat junk food, for example, like if you go to whatever, McDonald's, Burger King, um, and you, you order whatever, um, usually something not healthy. And the reason why I do that is because you're hungry, right? right? So like your body sending you this message of like, you're hungry, you're hungry, you're hungry. Your mind then figures out a way to get food uh, or even maybe your gut. So then you go to McDonald's and, you know, you order whatever, Big Mac, fries, Coke, whatever. And I'm not, I'm not shitting on McDonald's. I think it's, you know, a time and a place for everything. Um, so you go there, you eat some food and you finished your meal. And so now your body is sending a message to your mind that says, hey, we're full but also at the same time, McDonald's food doesn't really have any kinds of nutrients, right? And like food was, people, humans literally eat food for the sole reason to survive and to get nutrients and fats and other things to keep going. And so when you eat something that doesn't have any of those things, mm -hmm. you are basically overriding the purpose of eating. And so what happens is your body is like, I'm full, but you've given me nothing that I can use. And so that sends a signal to your mind that says, hey, we are still hungry. We are still starving for nutrients and fats. What happens? You get anxious. You get depressed. And so a lot of these things I highlight in the book, but I think biochemistry is like a super necessary foundation to self-development, to being yourself. Because like, this is the thing. Let's say you are meditating let's say you are reading a ton of books. Let's say you are surrounding yourself with the right people, but you eat like crap. You don't, you sleep like crap. You, you drink a ton of alcohol. You do a ton of these not so great things. And by the time three or four o'clock rolls around and you have no energy, your energy is zapped. It doesn't matter how positive you are. It doesn't matter how many books you've read. It doesn't matter how many smart people you've talked to you cannot be yourself if you do not have the energy to be yourself. And what I realized is when I fixed my biochemistry and I gained access to more energy than I ever had in my entire life, when you have more energy, you are literally seeing yourself happen. You are experiencing different dimensions of yourself happen in the real world on the outside because you finally have that energy to go do that thing versus, you know, after you come back from class or after you come back from your job, you're super tired and you just pass out. But what if you had that energy to be like, huh, I wonder what else I can do. Let me go read this new book. And you read that book and it talks about like this new habit and you begin to do that habit because you have the energy. And so for me, honestly, other than like those conceptual things that we talked about at the beginning of like understanding the root problem, neuroscience, um, death, uh, truth, a lot of these things. I think biochemistry, taking care of your physical health to take care of your mental health is probably one of the most important things you can do. And I don't really see a ton of people talking about this in like the self-development entrepreneurship circle. And so that's like a major chapter of my book because I can hope, I hope I can uh, begin to talk about these things more so more people begin to do them. Mm. Mark, man. 
every time I talk to you, I just feel like I'm getting more <laughs> woke. Like now when you came for the, for that steak dinner in Toronto, um, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, our, I just, I checked, uh, uh, in between and last time we recorded the, the fresh out of college podcast was December 18th, 2018. Damn. Isn't that insane, man? Every single time, time I just, flies, bro. yeah, I just learn more. <laughs> I just, I, I kind of want to publish this episode just right now, but it's got to wait. Uh, it's got to wait. Cause your book is coming out. Screw being shy. Um, it's going to be out when this episode comes out. I'm so pumped for that. Um, and then the last, very last question in 30 seconds, just cause this is how I cap off every single episode is what does success mean to you right now in moving forward? So I think this is what it is, man. So, um, so I had the chance of interviewing this guy named Vishen Lakiani. He's the founder of Mind Valley, And what he told me like really changed my mindset. And he basically told me that the per like, success if that's what you want to call it um it is essentially self-evolution and within self-evolution there are two main pillars there is one which is self-growth like this is what everyone talks about like picking up these habits changing your life all this stuff the second growth is the second pillar excuse me is being of service to others and you know honestly man i've reached a level in my life where i've made it like hands down, financially speaking, I've made it. Um, I guess my status, I've made it top 100 podcast featured in like Forbes on an Amazon prime documentary. There's so many other things that I could say and rattle off here as my achievements, but I can't talk about them yet. And so there begins a certain level where like you, you make it, you made it. I, I feel like I've a hundred percent made it. I'm not a billionaire yet, but I've made it. That does not make you happy that does not make you successful as many like e even if you meditate 16 hours a day like that's not what's going to make you successful the thing that's really going to make you successful is both of those pillars combined and what i've realized now is like now that i've become successful the question the conversation at, at hand is not necessarily me sure i could use my story as a conduit for someone listening to this podcast or reading the book to reflect on their own lives. But the key to be successful once you have become successful, such as myself is to make other people successful. Like that's it. So like now every morning when I wake up, of course you have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure that your cup is filled before and all this stuff. But now my number one goal is to make other people successful because I went from someone who not even a, a long time ago, like four or five years ago, someone that literally couldn't do anything. And now I'm doing all this stuff. And I know there's literally millions, if not billions of people who have some sort of an angle of an issue that I had, which was really just the human story. Because what I learned, man, is that my story is really just your story. And your story is my story because we're all just humans. They may have different nuances. They may have different uh, environments. They may have different um, conditions, but we are ultimately all talking about the same thing. And so for me, as much as I can wake up every morning and make other people successful, that's what success is to me. And honestly, it, like I, I, if you asked me this six months ago or a year ago, I would have given you a completely different answer. And I would talk more if we had the time, but I wrote this article on my LinkedIn about a month ago. Uh, and it's called success itself 
is the ultimate trap. I highly, it's like a super complicated subject. It's like very meta and, and psychological. If people want to know more about like how I think about success, mm-hmm. um, because my definitions have changed on it so much, um, I would recommend to do that. And then if people are interested in the book, um, you could get it anywhere. You buy books. It's mm-hmm. called Screw Being Shy. I'm sure Tanvir will have the links in the show notes. Screw Being Shy, uh, how to learn to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. Um, there's an audio book. There's a Kindle version. Um, some of the profits of the, of the physical version um, are being donated to the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. Um, there's exercises at the end of the book. I've like literally read so many books in my life now because of my, of my job um, that I think that, you know, my book has some similarities with some other books, but I really made this book because there is not a book like it that exists. You know, I took Tim Ferriss's advice of if a book like that doesn't exist, you have to make it. And I'm, I'm 22 years old. I honestly feel like I don't know anything about life. I'm just constantly learning, but I had to just stick my limb out and just say like, I'm going to release this book because there's nobody in this space that's talking about this stuff, the way that I have found solutions and methods to deal with it on a sustainable, holistic level that this literally just has to get out there into the world. And so I'm trying to get this out there. It's like as many kids in schools to as many employees at corporations and companies. Um, and so if that's kind of your vibe, if you're interested to check it out, check it out. I can't wait, man. I can't wait for that book to come out. I'm going to get it. Um, Mark Metry on Instagram, uh, Mark Metry on LinkedIn. Definitely would recommend Ooh. you follow, follow this guy. Um, you'll, you'll get super woke in no time. <laughs> Mark, man, I'm, I'm honestly so blessed to, to, to have you in my circle and you've mentored me throughout this process. And, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, just so excited to, to meet again in person and, and keep having these discussions man keep making each other better um for ourselves and um it's always a pleasure thank you for coming on the show thanks for having me bro